Hello, this is Ryan. Hello, this is Steve, and you are listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, <laughs> selling, trading. I, wait, I started out doing like a Stephen Hawking's voice, and now you're doing like a super chill Russian dude voice. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> Fixing Money, Break Your Review, Play Podcast! Oh my gosh. Oh, worst intro of all time. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to disagree. Last last week we had that super great intro from uh, from Megan. We did from the Lutherist. This week we have this piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should invite our uh, our listeners to record their own version of the intro. We did and send it to us. They I think we just I think we just mentioned that we should do that. I think right now we should officially invite people to record a vision a version of the intro. They'll send it to us. It can just be a phone recording. We don't care, and yeah. we'll, we'll play that instead of us doing this stupid charade every week. Oh my the charade. Gosh. What? <laughs> I don't know. This fraud of a show. Oh, it's the worst. I can't believe thousands of people listen to this. Thousands of people well, have a thousand. listened to this. <laughs> a thousand and then some. Yeah. You can't call it thousands unless you're over two. I think we probably have might have one episode over two now. We have a couple, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we have had thousands of listeners. But I think we have around a thousand or so. A thousand of like 1,500 active listeners. I don't know, man. I don't care. Yeah, who cares? I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about making this show the best show that I can make it. That's all I'm here for. Is that how we got an intro like that, Steve? That is. <laughs> look, that's the best you can do. I recognize off the bat that you were doing a Stephen Hawking voice or some kind of like robot, uh-huh. like like Siri. Siri. Hi, Ryan. Well, I don't, I don't even know how to do Siri. Look, <laughs> this is my point. You're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the Impressions podcast. This is my point. Uh, Stephen Hawking is one of the impressions that I don't do very well, or at all. You should just practice, Steve. I no, why? So you can get good at it. Are you are you like twiddling your mouth? Yeah, you have to mess with your lips while you See, do it. See, I don't want to do that. I just okay. want to do it normal. I have no problem touching my mouth. All right, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, yeah, I just that's not what I'm good at. All right, what's I'm, new, Steve? Let's uh, talk about Gibson. Let's baby. talk about Gibson. There, uh, there was a flyer going around the internet. There's multiple articles going around the internet. That right was now. well. There's some articles going around the internet, but there's also a new product flyer going yeah, around the internet a, for a Gibson leaked, 2016. You know, a leaked just in time for Summer Nam. Yeah, you, which guys, is, I think is over now. Yeah, at the time of this podcast, it's over. Yeah, but I think it, uh, an advertisement from, like it, it says, uh, uh, print. Test print, do not distribute. On yeah. It. Well, it's now like that a leaked advertisement from a printing press or something like that. Now that it's gotten out, the the reaction, I think, to it has been so, so uh, A lot of people strong. think it's a joke. Uh, I think the reaction has been so strong that they're probably going to rethink their 2016 plans. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. They might just stick with it. They've done crazier things. <laughs> so, what do, do you we, think of it? What do you think of the idea of the liquor software? Well, you know, uh, what do you think of a, a all, is I if they repeat the the trend of the 2015s, every single Gibson will will come with these upgrades, except for the Joe Bonamassa signature model, right? And like two others, right? Um, you know, I kind of like the idea of the liquor software. Uh, I think 
it auto apparently it's going to auto detect which uh whichever classic rock or blues rock riff you're playing and then tweet the uh the stats for it or the information for it onto your social media pages yeah yeah it's, it's kind of gibson's own take on social media it's kind of like foursquare instead of checking in your location you're checking out the song you're, you're like you're checking in with yeah. the song you're working on yeah it's gonna it's gonna post which steve ray vaughn or which uh acdc song you're working the on the problem i have with liquor and liquor having uh access to my social media uh, is that people are going to see that you're just playing smoke on the water every day <laughs> basically <laughs> and at some point like if Gibbs if the Gibson software ever becomes sentient it's just going to post Steve sucks so bad at guitar <laughs> like, so that's going to get real what, snarky he's like what the crap Steve is attempting to play yeah a yeah. dire straight song yeah no it's <laughs> it's going to start getting like a tune and it's going to be like be like Steve is currently playing Hit Me Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Uh-huh. It's going to start lying. Yeah. It's going to be like Steve is butchering butchering the sweater song by Weezer. Yeah. And what do you think about the swappable pickups? Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, 25 pin. Like, I thought maybe they really only needed four. Well, you know, I probably a lot of those pins are going into the liquor software to help manage that. And going into... The uh, the hardware that runs the Cybro knobs, right? Right, the Cybro knobs, which is a, another new feature. The knobs, the so volume and tone knobs, and the switch switches on uh, on the new Gibson guitars are going to turn automatically for the optimum uh, settings for your the the lick that you're playing. The the right. liquor is software, that part of the liquor the liquor suite? Yeah, yeah, it's part of the whole package. So, say you're playing. Uh, Play, what's that Guns N' Roses song? Sweet, Sweet Child, Child of, of Mine. Mine. Saying you're playing the intro to Sweet Child of Mine, the liquor software is going to detect that within a few seconds of you starting to play. Automatically, your switch is going to go up to the neck position, and the neck position uh, tone knob is going to roll all the way back for you. Right. Because it's going to detect, detect what song you're playing, and it's going to give you the classic settings for that. I, you know, I... Some of the reactions have been bad, but the more uh, the more I think about it, like I don't know, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I think you know they just there's this thing. Have you heard of Periscope? Are you familiar with Periscope? No. So I think it's like a it's kind of like a social media sort of a thing where you can like live stream yourself. Uh huh. And it's kind of like YouTube Live, I guess. But people oh, are just posting videos of themselves like doing stuff. Actually, Periscope could be a really cool way for us to do a live podcast. Oh, yeah. Set up a uh, phone on a tripod. I don't tripod. think people can really like interact, but it might be a cool thing to just kind of sit up and people can like jump on Periscope and like watch us record. Yeah, totally. Um, but anyway, uh, I was thinking about Periscope and I was thinking like maybe that's um, like a, something that could, the way liquor could work. Like if... John Mayer, because he's kind of bouncing between brands right now, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, if he ended up with Gibson, like, we might watch John Mayer liquor all night long. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted all oh, the straight face so hard on. with that. Uh, come <laughs> on. So anyways, these swappable pickups is not the worst idea in the world. Like, you, no. You, uh, uh, Ampeg did it, like... 40, 50 years ago, A couple I think. screws, you pull off those pickups, they've got the, the pin socket on the back, and then you can swap those 2000 Gibson, 2016 Gibson pickups with any other 2016 Gibson R pickup. Right. You know, uh, 
They probably because I think the pictures were kind of like still in the semi prototype small, stage. Pretty low res. Uh, they could probably integrate a clip system onto the port, so you wouldn't even need screws. You would yeah. just, you would just. I mean, I guess if you wanted to raise or lower the pickup, you'd still need to do it. But you might be able to just get it set right and then just be able to clip the pickup into place, That'd and be it's, nice. it's mounted. I mean, either way, I mean, you're not going to want to resolder and desolder pickups out of that, you know, the complicated liquor and cybro knob system. I'm, I'm sure there's all kinds of circuit boards in there. You don't want to get in there and try to figure it all out. You need, yeah. you need to have those pickups that swap in and out. So it, it really does make a lot of sense. You know, this technology, they've, they've invested over $40 million into their recent innovations. You're going to see the swappable pickups with the 25 pin become standard in Gibson guitars for decades. Yeah. You're going to yeah. see it migrate into other guitar brands as they purchase the, uh, the uh, the rights from Gibson, so it's right. a big well, money maker for Gibson. Gibson's got you know they've they uh, all the 2016 Gibsons have the 40 million dollars uh, the hologram hologram yeah the seal of quality uh, on there yeah the seal quality which, and it really helps you just distinguish in between a real USA Gibson and one of these Chinese knockoffs. Yeah. I mean, who knows anywhere? They can't fake holograms. Everyone no. knows that. No one can fake holograms. Holograms are the ultimate security measure. Yeah. Uh, so that, that like 97 Les Paul you have at home, uh-huh. who knows? Who knows if that's real or not? Probably fake. Does it have a hologram? No, no. it doesn't. And, you know, I, I kind of, I really like that Gibson is giving themselves a big pat on the back, just like the music industry with the Grammys, uh-huh. where they're saying, hey, we're Gibson, and we spent $40 million we on inv- robot techno- on robot tuning technology. Deal with it. Yeah, we've invested this much in advancing guitar technology. I think yeah. it's brilliant. It's How just- much money has Fender spent on R&D in the last 10 years? Not $40 million. Probably, Yeah, probably not $40 million. No way, dude. They're still making strats with plastic pickup you know, pickguards. When we first, when I first saw this, I thought it was really dumb. But I don't know, man. I, a lot of people think it's a joke. Some people are mad. Some people welcome the innovations. I, a lot of people really love the color. The color of yeah. the guitar in the ad is like this, like pink fuchsia like burst. Bur- yeah, it's like a purple burst, pink burst. It's very striking. It's Purple-y got like a pink burst, some kind of metallic pickguard, fuchsia burst. I'm wondering if there will be some kind of controls integrated into that metallic pickguard like if there will be buttons underneath like that you press to activate the liquor software yeah to connect to wi-fi or, or to whatever co- yeah or anything like that there's there's been no mention on the leaked ad if any of that stuff if you can turn it off or on it might just be always on maybe that pickguard is like a solar panel to keep it all running or something there we go you just put your guitar outside like for a couple hours a day yeah let it- <laughs> Well, hey, where are you going with your guitar, honey? Oh, I got to leave it outside so that the liquor software can charge up. I'm going outside to liquor. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe, uh, you know, you get some you get some upgrades. Maybe uh, Gibson can set up a program where you can uh, take your guitar into a guitar shop uh-huh. and get, like, at least the liquor portion installed on your guitar. Oh, that'd be great. And then when you're going out... To get that done, your wife will say, uh, where are you going? And you'll just say, don't worry about it. I'm just going to go get the liquor. Yeah, I'm just going to the liquor store. Yeah, the liquor store. Yeah. There we go. 
there's a lot of jokes we could make about the name of the software. Yeah. I mean, li- yeah. they're obviously trying to like do a play on liquor in the morning, like Tumblr, uh, or Flickr, Imager, Flickr, Imager, like, kind of yeah. social media, kind of the, su- the, the harder R suffix, Instagrammer, Instagrammer, Facebooker, Pinterester, Myspacer, <laughs> Friendster, Zangaer, YouTuber, Live Journaler. <laughs> Google Pluser, Eloer, <laughs> Twitter. Oh, we already Twitter. did. We already say Twitter. No, that's that's a classic one. Yeah, yeah. There we go. All right. Yeah, I. You know, it's a bold move. We'll it see how it turns move. out. I think you know they can only va- add to the value of their brand. Their CEO is making great decisions. Yeah, Henry J is like probably the best. Everyone's a big CEO f- that any guitar company has had in like at least the last. 150 years totally At way least. way better than the original owners of gibson yeah orville gibson screw that guy yeah orville, he didn't know jack what kind of name is orville he didn't even think about robots <laughs> i bet he did think about robots but it was more like a feverish nightmare <laughs> <laughs> oh the metal men are coming for me <laughs> oh my gosh uh so let's see we covered liquor yeah we covered the cyber knobs we covered the hologram, the pickups, the pickups. Is there anything else? I think those are the announcements other than that striking color. You know, you can see in the picture that the robot tuners are still there. They're definitely not ditching that technology. Yeah. It's very popular. People love it. Uh, we, uh, we posted this a couple weeks ago on our Instagram. So if you missed it, it's also on uh, our Facebook and on our Facebook. I, you can see it all over the place and people are posting it everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, the gear page, all the, uh, gear it's, talk, uh, all sorts of different forums. People, people are really spreading this thing around. It is all over yeah. the internet. It's a big talk. The interneter. Big talk. All right. All right. Should we get into ads? Probably. All right. <laughs> Probably, he says. All right. First one is an Ibanez Talman. Let me open up my Google Drive, and I will read about it. Or you can read about it, Steve. Uh, your Google Drive is probably going to load faster than I mine. did it. I got here. All right, 1994 Ibanez Talman T3 TC530 electric guitar with 120 watt crate amplifier. Oh dang! <laughs> uh, $575 for the pair. $575 cash slash best offer slash trade for Dave Smith Moog slash analog modulator sense electron teenage and whatever blah 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 blah. That's guy all guy wants his, a trade. His list of trades. Um, he wants a synthesizer. Yeah, uh, 1994 Ibanez Hellman TC. I already read all this with custom paint job. That's the part I didn't read. Ibanez has three lipstick pickups, tremolo bar, custom Gibson knobs, and custom copper tremolo spring guard i bought this guitar new in 1994 it shows some signs of wear and could use a new one quarter inch connector has some noise from connector going bad with age custom paint job and artistic details done by local artist very cool vintage guitar just needs 60 to 100 dollars in switch repair by your local luthier great for collector or playing great for collector or player looking to custom out a new guitar includes a hard travel case crate amp is a 2x12 speaker cab with 120 watts of power and built-in digital effects comes with foot switch uh this thing is a disaster how bad is this custom paint job really bad it looks like he was trying to get like 
some kind of rusted copper kind of look. Yeah. But it just looks like it's really thick and caked on there. It has like an orange peel texture that you would see on like your wall. Right. In your house. Um, also, there's like random bits of copper scrap attached to it. Yeah, it's really weird. Going from it. the tremolo on the front and then wrapping around to the back of the guitar. And so that's sunk in there with a bunch of screws. It looks terrible. Uh, other than that, Talmans are great. Yeah, you know, if this was a non-custom Talman... Uh, you mean T- non-destroyed. Non-destroyed. TC530 with this garbage crate amp for 575 I think that might be a pretty good price because you could probably sell that amp for like 100, 150 bucks, maybe. Sure. And then you're looking at like 400 bucks. Yeah, that's decent. And a 94 Talman is going to be a great guitar. Yeah. This is one of the the ones that has a short lower lower horn. I'm a big fan right. of the ones that had the longer lower horn. Uh, but these this is still a great guitar. I think that bridge is aftermarket though. Because uh, the Talman bridges from that era had like were the big custom Ibanez ones with like it was like a big piece of metal. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, um, I I'm not. It looks if it's custom, it was it's a really clean fit. I will say yeah. that. Well, I think the the original was a two post, so this oh, person okay. they just had to put a different bridge on there. Interesting. I wonder why they did that. Maybe they didn't like the original bridge, but it looks fine that part of it, anyways. They swapped the knobs for Gibson knobs, which actually looks all right. Yeah. The paint on this is atrocious, but maybe for the right price, this would be a good one to get and then strip down and redo. Yeah. Your own look, sort of thing, and like fill in those holes. I could see that. Talmans are great guitars, though. They're kind of good middle ground between like a Strat and a Telecaster in a lot of ways. Uh, you get just a really classic playing guitar well, with the a three Talon. lipsticks on this could be a really like low power kind of a surfy thing too. Oh, totally. They're just great guitars. Uh, the, what's his name from the offspring uses Talman's right still. Though I think he's using like his own thing with like a, couple of high output humbuckers now oh sure wrapped in but duct he, tape he used talman's for a long time yeah uh dexter holland dexter devo used talman's through the 90s i saw devo on something the other day oh, i forgot what it was but i just felt really sad when i saw him <laughs> they're older now well not even like sad like in that way but like it just seemed very like something about it made me feel like that was at whatever time it was that they did this. Like, it's kind of like when Dev 2.0 happened. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, at least with Dev 2.0, you never really saw the guys from Devo. Right. But you're the whole time you're just watching it thinking like, how broke are the bobs? Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things where they keep... Devo is one of those bands where you expect them to be... have like some kind of artistic integrity. Right. And then every now and then they do something that's very commercial. Doesn't one of the guys from Devo do all the Wes Anderson movies? Uh, Mother's Ball? Yeah, you're Devo? thinking of Mark Mother's Ball. Yeah. Uh, he does a lot of movies. Oh, okay. He's done a lot of soundtrack work. So he has all the money, but the Bobs are broke. Well, one of them's dead. Yeah. Is it the Bobs? Bob is 3 the... is dead, I think. Bob... I thought it was 2. I can't remember. Whatever. One of the Bobs is dead. Um... I don't know about the rest of the band. They've been replaced with children called Dev 2.0 and advertised on Disney. Yeah. 
I don't, they still tour. They still play lots of shows. They're probably still awesome. Yeah. But because I'm like outside Every of the then, Devo fan base, yeah. I, I just see these kind of drive-by things. You know, they, like so much of their message in the 80s was this kind of like anti-commercialism sort of thing. Right. And it just kind of tastes a little funny when you see them doing something obviously commercial. Yeah. So that's weird. But, you know. I'm not against people making money. Not at all. Yep. Um, speaking of making money. Uh, should we move on to the next ad? Oh, that's what I was going to do. <laughs> this is sold by GL Music Store. It's $188 plus $45 shipping. This is... Oh, wait. Which one are we doing? A custom-made headless guitar with solid wood body. Custom, ha- custom hard-carved and painting. Steinberger-type tailpiece, maple wood neck with truss rod, Maplewood Fingerboard, please email me for more information. This was sent to us by Brad Moses. Yeah, this is not a Maplewood Fingerboard. This is not a unless it's rosewood. Baked, not unless it's baked maple. Uh, I guess it could be baked maple. I, I thought that was the neck that was dark. I kind of doubt that it's baked maple, though, because then he would say it. Yeah. The, the back of the neck is probably maple. Sure. Yeah. I'd um, buy that. But not Fingerboard. I don't know anything about this. It says made in Korea. It says the make is Maestro. Which that's weird because I don't know if Maestro ever... Maestro's a Gibson brand. I it, didn't think they were making anything out of Korea. Yeah, it was a Gibson brand. I don't think Maybe this, it's not anymore. I don't think this is related to that at all, though. Oh, okay. This is 188 bucks with $45 shipping. It is crazy looking. Yeah. Somebody said that this is like some kind of Queensryche signature model. Uh-huh. Because when I think of bands that I want to own a signature model from, Queensryche is definitely that guitar. Top of the list. You know, I think about Queensryche probably five, six times a day. Oh, I probably think about Queen, Queensryche never. <laughs> this Honestly. Is a, this is a crazy guitar, though. It looks like it was relatively well done. Okay, so this isn't the Queensryche guitar, but it definitely, like, has I can see why uh Queensright kind of has this flying raven logo thing going uh, on. Oh, okay. Uh it's very like stylized to be like an icon uh and this is not that for sure, but I can see how it's kind of in that neighborhood. What's with the tail on it? <sighs> it's know, got man. like this weird like long braided staff tail. I can't even describe. Yeah. This it's very Germanic looking. Yeah. Like it looks like someone took something from like a Nazi war museum, like a memorabilia and museum. It into a guitar? Yeah, oh. put, a, put a guitar neck on it. Like you could totally see that eagle like hanging behind uh, someone during like a Nazi rally it's or something. It's just like weird, that. man. Some kid in a guar cover band is going to buy this. I f- of all the guitars that are headless, I feel like this one should have a head. You should have a bird head. A bird head, yeah. Because you get these wings and you get the tail and there's no eagle head. The eagle head is the most awesome part of an eagle, right? If I bought this guitar, I would have a band. And the la- I would only play this song on the last... I would play this guitar on the last song. Uh-huh. The last song of every show would be would be a song called The Eagle Has Landed. Oh my gosh. And at the end of the song, I would smash this guitar. You know who needs to play this guitar? Don Henley? Eagle Bones Falcon Hawk from, oh, from the Aquabats. From Aquabats. This would be his perfect guitar, although it'd need to be painted like 
light blue or something Does like Don that. Don Henley even play guitar? I, I thought have he, no I thought idea. he was the drummer. I have no idea. I don't even know who he is. He's taking it easy, man. Oh, is he from the Eagles? I think so. Yeah. Whoever plays guitar in the Eagles, play this yeah. guitar. Oh, you know what? I think Joe Walsh played guitar Maybe, in the Eagles. It needs to be 12 string, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, Don Henley's also the guy that wrote Boys of Summer. Oh, really? I think that's probably his uh, biggest song. You got all this trivia knowledge. All right. We got one more ad here. You skipped it. I thought we were going to play it. Or we going to hit it middle. I didn't write these. I didn't like. You didn't do it in order. Write them down in order. I just wrote them all down. Uh, this is a unique armadillo guitar. Yeah. $75 in the SDSU area here in San Diego. I found this. I posted it on the group. People made comments. You can go on the Facebook group and look at those comments if you can find Basically, it. Basically, this is a classical guitar. With an armadillo on the back. Yeah. I should have t- I should have made the main picture the armadillo part. Yeah. Yeah. He's we, got a pickup in it. We know what the back looks like, though, because we saw it on the group. And you can see that, too. Yeah, if you join our group. Yeah, why don't you join our freaking group? Facebook.com slash group slash 60 Cycle Hub. And don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. Yeah. Which is important to us. We want to yep. get thousands of su- subscribers on there. Yep. Um, so this has a dead animal on the back of it. Moo. Not a cow. What make sound an, does an armadillo make? Make an armadillo sound, Steve. I imagine it sounds something like... Oh, yeah, maybe. Like, they probably have some like crazy like... Yeah. Or they're like... Like they sound really dumb. Oh, my god. And that's why they apparently get hit by cars they all the time. They do get hit by cars We don't lot. have them here. No. So it's not part of our, our culture, but I know that like in the Southwest and South... Uh, I think it's like kind of New Mexico, Texas mostly. They're kind of like a roadkill staple. Well, yeah, they're slow as heck. Yeah. And like their fear instinct is to curl up in a ball, <laughs> which is like awesome when you have a shell and like something's trying to poke at you. Uh-huh. As long as that thing that's trying to poke at you doesn't weigh one and a half tons. Right. And pokes at you with a 18 inch wide tire. Right. Yeah, it's a rough life. Is that life. how wide tires are? I, I don't know. know. It's a rough life for armadillos. Yeah. It's hard And sometimes, sometimes they get hit, us. and then someone straps them to the back of a guitar, apparently. Yeah. Apparently, uh, these actually... So, for what it's worth, this guitar um, isn't a roadkill guitar, most likely. No, it's a taxidermy thing. Uh, this is a taxidermy thing that they do in, like, uh, Latin American countries. Uh-huh. Also, it's a classical guitar, but this is the kind of thing that you would see at like a market. And apparently, in, at least in a lot of these countries, I, I, I'm hesitant to say all because I haven't looked into it. But someone wasn't in our, Paul Roney saying this? Was it Roney? I think so. Uh, that this is like super illegal. Yeah, and wherever it came, wherever he saw it in Latin America, it's yeah, super illegal. It was like you got to go to the shop behind the shop behind the shop, to right? See. And then and then and then put a fifty on the table and be like, "Do you have an armadillo?" And then yeah. wink. No, you have armadillo. Yeah, have armadillo. Bear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You trade the Russian bear for the Mexican armadillo. There you go. That's how these transactions work. Yeah. Uh, new listeners of the show, listen to our old episodes. Russian bears are a thing <laughs> that we talk about. <laughs> um. I don't. I would play this guitar. I would own this guitar. You would, and I would play this, and I would have a lot of fun with it. Oh my gosh! The shape is is kind of neat. It looks like the body's really small. 
It's got kind of like an ovation sort of thing happening. And apparently has some kind of pickup in there. I have a feeling this was used for like mariachi purposes. Probably. I just think it's cool. For 75 bucks too. If I was down the street from this guy in that area, I might have... I might have hit him up. It's not like it's that far. I think David Chote was saying that he was trying to get this guitar, which doesn't surprise me at all. Oh, okay. I played a show with him a while back. I know. A few weeks ago. Tell us about it. It was super cool. So, uh, so David sent us a song and I was like, wow, this is really great. Uh, we should play shows together because he lives here in San Diego. And he was like, oh, yeah, you want to play on this show in like this coming up in a couple weeks? And I was like, yeah, I do want to play that show. But here's the thing. I can't advertise it at all because my band is playing another show the very next night. And so I basically played like a secret show the night before our advertised show with uh, with David Chote's bands. He's got two bands that he played with. Uh, one for sure is called Flower Animals. I forget the name of the other one. But it was just a really fun show. It was held in a shoe store that was like doubling as a gallery space. So we played right next to like the wall of shoes, which was, it was all like designer shoes and like kind of like hipstery stuff. But it was a really fun show. It was right next to a local brewery that I'm fond of and I know the guys at. So I got to hang out and have some beers. Play a casual show. That just sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it was, it was a really neat thing. David Chote's bands are great. Another th- fun thing about it, we didn't bring any of our amps because we didn't have to. We didn't bring the drums. David was like, oh, you guys can just use our stuff. He had a, uh, a PV Classic there. Nice. Not a Classic 50, like the old black Classic. Like the, the hybrid one? Yeah, yeah. That sounded great. I ran through that. I didn't even have to use cables. I unplugged his pedal board, stacked my pedal board in front of it, used his cables to plug into the amp and the guitar. And so all I had to bring was my guitar and my pedal board. Uh, That's the way to do it, man. We used their drums. We used their bass amp. We used two guitar amps from them. Super easy, super casual show. Lots of fun. People had a great time. I had this thought the other day that I should start a one-man band. Yeah. Or just become a singer-songwriter. <laughs> okay. Because I know there's like there's definitely a shortage of singer-songwriters in San Diego. Oh, yeah. There's like, just not enough singer-songwriters. Um, and uh, I don't know what I would write songs about, but I think I could deliver Sounds them. Sounds like you're off to a good start already. I think I could deliver them with like a lot of emotion. Sure. And most Friday nights... I'm it sounds not, like your emotion, your main emotion would be confusion. <laughs> most Friday nights, I'm not really doing anything. And they, I think those people get paid like at least a little bit of money. Sometimes. Like 50 bucks or something. Maybe. Uh, the only problem is that I would have to hang out with like, the hipster part of town. Probably. And uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it was a thought that I had. <laughs> uh, you've really spent a lot of time planning this out. Yeah. I can tell you're ready to yeah. go. Well, you know, I own an, like a couple acoustic guitars. That's true. And maybe my... Do you uh, own a capo? I do own a couple You're capos. You're all set. But I was thinking maybe my... Do you have a scarf? Um, I do not have a scarf. You got to get a scarf, Steve. Uh, I was thinking my my kind of like niche 
uh-huh. would be that I would be a singer songwriter with no band that played electric guitar. Oh. Like that's unique, right? That's cool. That's a cool thing. Yeah, like full like Marshall stack, like high, super high gain, lots of feedback. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Three delays. Mm. I think you should pursue this, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that would require me getting a Marshall stack. I'll work up to that. Yeah, work up to it. After I play, let's see if I can get a full Marshall stack. That's like $2,000. So after I play 40 shows at $50 a show, I'll be able to buy a Marshall stack. There you go. That should only take me, if I play every Friday, about eight and a half months. That's not that long. Nine, nine. And you and get a, a Marshall month. stack out of it. And a Marshall stack, a half stack, right? Yeah, and all. No, I thought we said full stack. Okay, so that's a full stack price. Well, I don't know if that's the. You're going to have to get a car that can transport a stack. Oh though. yeah, so we'll put it, get a roof rack. It's going to be like twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> Fifty bucks a show. All right, let's not figure this out. Four hundred shows. I can get a new car, and then forty shows after that. I can get a full stack. You know what I think you should do? You should forget the electric bit. You should just get that armadillo guitar. Armadillo guitar. And then all your songs should be about armadillos. Oh my gosh. Armadillo guitar. You can tour the Southwest. I've got that that old... You can change your name to Armadillo Steve. Oh my gosh. I've got that vintage cowboy shirt. Mm-hmm. I should just get uh, wear the cowboy shirt, get the armadillo guitar, and do Marty Robbins covers. Nice. Be, I don't know who that is, that but nice. Rad. He did. Uh, he was a western, like a western guy. Oh, okay. Like back when western music was popular. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that I'm related to Roy Rogers? Yes. I never shut up about it, huh? No, you don't. <laughs> He's like your father's brother's cousin's nephew's. He's a distant uncle, former roommate, or some crap. Yeah. No, he's actually related. Yeah. Yeah. Related to Roy Rogers. That's yeah, Western he did music. We- that's Western music. Yeah. It's different than country. Yeah. But they were like thematically paired, but Western was like all about cowboys and whatever. And then there started to be this blending of like country singers that would also sing about cowboys, but were singing like distinctively country songs. Right. Uh, or. Well, I think country singers have always been singing about cowboys. Yeah. But I, I'm saying like there's a difference between Western singers that sung about cowboys and country singers who sing about cowboys. The only time country people sing about anyone other than cowboys is when they're being horrifically racist. <laughs> what? Uh, forget that I said that. <laughs> I'm I'm so lost. Okay, don't worry um, about it. But and then the other thing that I think is kind of like a mainstay of Western music is yodeling. Oh yeah, yodeling. Uh, and there's some Dwight Yoakam yodeling. It's like one of the raddest things ever uh-huh. put on record. Um, but I digress. Armadillo guitar, Marty Robbins cover artist. Armadillo Steve shirt. coming to a southwestern city near you. Oh my gosh! You need to get a lot of uh, silver and turquoise jewelry going on. Yeah, yeah. And like a straw hat. Maybe I can tour with Esteban. That'd be cool. Yeah. You and Esteban hitting the road. Yeah, it'd be it'd be the Steve and Steve tour. <laughs> Is his first name Steve? I don't know. Oh, Steven. Oh, yeah, Steven. The Steven and Steven Esti- tour. Esteban and Steve. Yeah. Esteban and Esteban. Hey, if I was... Esteban, Esteban. When I travel through Mexico, my name is Esteban. That's true. Excuse me. Wow. You know all those times that you've traveled through Mexico. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> I think we should tackle some of these topics. Topics. That was our topics theme song. 
Good job, Steve. You're welcome. All right. First topic is how do you break things? This is from Chris. I prefer to use a hammer. How do you pronounce Chris's last name? I think it's Dopey. I don't know, man. I feel bad if I'm wrong about that, but D- that is D- the way it's spelled. Dupay? I don't, I don't know, man. Dupay? Chris Dupay? Dupay? Dopey? Maybe. Dupay? I don't know. You can tell us later on the group, Chris, uh, what it's the, per- spelled, the I mean, correct way to pr- pronounce your name like is. It's spelled like Dopey from Snow White. Yeah, I don't but think... I, I it, really doubt that's how he pronounces it. It has such a negative connotation. So. Yeah. What's that old commercial with... Uh, the guy on the interview. Oh, uh, I don't remember what that was a commercial for, but yeah. His, what was uh, the name? Dumas. Yeah. He kept calling Mr. Dumbass. Yeah. But the name was Dumas. Yeah. It's no, more... it's just Dumas. It's French. You don't pronounce the S. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one of... yeah, that was also in uh, some movie. I think that was a commercial for like, the... I think that was a commercial for Dairy Queen. Oh, maybe. Uh, there's also in a movie where they were supposed to read uh, the Three Musketeers, uh-huh. and some and the author of the Three Musketeers was Alexander Dumas, and uh, people were all like, "But you're like, who wants to read this Alexandre dumbass anyway?" <laughs> Sounds like a Bill and Ted thing. It, yeah, it was like that kind of vibe. All right, yeah. Chris's question is, how do you break things properly, and what is the benefit? Uh, I only ask because it's in your page, man, and I've been wondering for a while. Well, it's in our it's on our page and in our intro because many of the ads we feature feature guitars that have been broken, like irreversibly or modded to the point where they are basically broken. Right, and it's also kind of just a reference to I think uh, a little bit of our like pseudo punk rock pedigree. Sure, of, and like, the, the just, reality of of using just playing these stuff hard. And, you know, I would say that... And you got to break something to fix it. Yeah, I would say, like, when you had the Blue Strat with two pickups, Uh that was a broken guitar. That was a broken guitar. It was broken in the ways that were, like, best for you. It was functional. But anyone else who looked at it is just like, what the crap? (laughs) Uh, I still have the pieces of that in a bag somewhere. I could resurrect it anytime I wanted. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so but so I think I think there's a certain there's a certain spirit in us where we would break a guitar if it was it was if it was the right thing to do or if we had the right uh scenario, you know. Yeah, uh it was so it was it was kind of a joke. Uh and it's also reference to like sometimes when you're learning how to mod stuff, you accidentally break it. Oh, all the time. Uh I in the last like 6 months have somehow managed to like destroy like three or four strap pickups oh my gosh and i don't know why or like i've just received like i bought and received broken strap pickups i had one pickup that was working and then i installed it and then it didn't work all of a sudden oh my gosh and i don't understand why like sometimes things just kind of go a little sideways uh and i don't i don't know i don't know what the problem was but you're a breaker steve uh i know one pickup like i broke the bobbin on because i was trying to get the cover off and the cover was either glued on or the wax had expanded so far that like I couldn't get it off and so I tried to use a, a blow dryer to like melt the wax oh my to get gosh. the cover off and I ended up melting the cover oh no um so yeah that was breaking a lot of things uh, I'm on a bad streak lately yeah uh, I've broken all kinds of stuff man I can't so, even remember it you all know, sometimes things get broken in those are the stories I think 
that make uh, success like val- more sure. valuable. And we're not two guys sitting around trying to pretend like we know it all and that we've done everything right. We make mistakes all the time, and there's things that we don't know all the time, and we just make stuff up. You know, it's it. You know, the title of the show, "60 Cycle Hum," is an is an admission that there is a level of fault within guitar sound. You know, well, you get these hums, you get crackles, you get pops, yeah, uh, you get noises and stuff like that, and that's part of the fun of it all. Well, and there is kind of this. Um I guess joke for lack of a better word that like when you have a SG, I don't know if anyone made this joke with you, but I've seen this joke made with other people. It's like, Oh, you got a Gibson. Uh-huh. You should just go ahead and break the headstock and get it fixed. Yeah, totally. Like just go ahead and break it. It's going to break eventually. Anyway, you might it. as well do it when, while you are aware of it, while you have the time to get it fixed. Yeah. When it's not inconvenient to you, just do it. Yeah. I wonder if that could become a thing where instead of breaking it, you take it to someone, they give a really precise cut, and they patch it up to be really nice. Just do it. Just do it. You said you were going to do it yesterday. You said yesterday that you were going to do it tomorrow, and that's today, so what are you waiting for? What is this from? Oh my gosh, have you not seen this? So this is like maybe... Oh, is that that... The Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's one of the best that's got to be i think oh, my man. favorite viral video so, of 2015 here's a question i have on topic okay um if you were gonna break a guitar in a fantasy way what would you do what's your guitar breaking fantasy like do i need the guitar afterwards this or? is like you're a rock star you can break it any way that you want all right um red bull guy uh-huh i want to be lifted up into outer space via weather balloon nice i'm gonna jump out of the weather balloon in outer space skydive back to earth with a guitar strapped to my body somewhere around like 30,000 feet Uh uh-huh uh we have to do this over like an open field this is like impossible they'll never let you do this Uh maybe i only do let do this at like a thousand feet because it doesn't really matter the distance sure but at at terminal velocity at some point when i'm basically going as fast as i can go or at or at a safe enough distance that the guitar isn't going to like go so too far off course i unstrap the guitar from my body and just let it fall you know you don't have to fall with it there's people who do this sort of stuff with weather balloons where they just like send the weather balloon up with the guitar you don't have to be with it you put a gopro on the guitar and when it crashes and you find the gopro there we go. Yeah. So you get to see like a guitar free fall through space and see like the curvature of Earth spinning behind it. That is perfect. Yeah. So, I mean, that's might not be the most uh, like super exciting way to do it, but I think it's kind of like a mental science. I think you'd get a lot of YouTube views. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something that would be a ton of fun. It, and so many of like the other things like, oh, just smash it at this festival or light it on fire or whatever. Like, I feel like uh, people have done that kind of stuff. Sure. It would be neat to get it up to speed in space and then have a camera on it as it reenters and burns up. Oh, my gosh. That'd but be the great. camera would burn up, too. You'd have to have some kind of special camera to get it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So camera is... They would, they would put it outside of a, like the, the, uh, like the, a lander or a yeah, space shuttle, yeah. and it would be floating around outside of the... Yeah, uh, the camera would be inside. Yeah, the camera would be inside, 
and it would just float along and burn up alongside of the shuttle and definitely wouldn't be a risk to any of the astronauts within. I'm glad we've got this figured out. Yeah. What would be your way? Uh, you know how you were saying like just the boring, everyone's done it, smash a guitar on stage yeah. festival sort of thing. I'd do that. Only this is what I would do. I would be playing the guitar all throughout the set. I'm playing to thousands of people. I'm talking like arena rock. This is my fantasy. Like two of thousands or three of thousands? Multiple thousands filling the arena. How big of an arena are we talking about here? A great big arena. So so okay. big. So like, like 800 big. people. Yeah. Everyone is just crammed packed against the front of the stage. The set is over. I take off the guitar. I'm swinging it around. I'm liking, acting like I'm going like to smash it. Instead of smashing it on the stage, I feed it into an industrial shredder, and it blows guitar dust over the whole audience. Like a wood chipper. Everyone goes home with a little bit of guitar. Oh, boy. <laughs> Everyone goes home with a little bit of guitar in, in their lungs. Oh, my gosh. That's how I would do it. Gross. <laughs> And 10 years later, you get sued for giving 300 people lung cancer. <laughs> there will be commercials. Did you attend this Ryan Burke concert on the date of the 14th? Do you have mesothelioma? Oh, God. <laughs> it's possible that you are entitled to a settlement. Yeah. yeah good job, Ryan. Uh, it's not my fault it was finished with some kind of crazy lacquer. <laughs> Yeah. Is there anything else we have to say about this, about breaking uh, guitars? I don't think so. Let's move on to this other topic from uh, Mark Kaufman. Mark Kaufman. He's, uh, I've never seen him in the group, but he posted this question. So Did he email it to us? No, this isn't also in the group, the oh, okay. thing I posted today. And he said, when you are, an eva- when you are evaluating an instrument... First of all, uh, his, his profile picture is um, Chewbacca... Uh-huh. It's like a cartoon drawing of Chewbacca in a white tuxedo. Nice. Uh, with like a black shirt, but like a white jacket. Uh, maybe it's not a tuxedo. Maybe it's just a suit. I don't know. When you are evaluating an instrument for purchase in hand, what is your checklist of things to inspect that will increase, decrease the amount you're willing to pay? What clues about construction conditions stand out as danger? Or, oh no, I can totally flip this. Right. Um... I try to check obvious things like is the neck straight? That's my number one. Uh, I think that's the one where it's like if it's not straight, then you're going to have problems with it at some point. Yeah, it's just going to be a, a disaster from the and get by, go. And by straight, I'm talking about twist. Like if it's a little, yeah. if it's bowed within reason, that's probably just means the truss rod needs to be loosened, depending or, or tightened, depending on yeah. the direction it's bowed. Um, but if it's actually like twisted lengthwise, then unless you are like can humidify it or whatever, you that's can maybe a, get it back. That's a rough road to go down. If you if you find a twist, then that's going to be you're going to pay bargain basement prices for that. Yeah. Um, the other stuff I kind of look at uh, any sort of damage that either wasn't listed in the ad or that I feel like maybe wasn't listed in the ad to the same to the level that it was described. So if someone sure. says like, oh, it's got normal belt rash on the back and then I flip over the back and it's got like a full on like scratch in it or like it's worn through in one spot, like that's not right. normal or belt someone rash. carved their name back there yeah, or something. Like some guy named Eddie maybe. Oh, damn it, Eddie. Um I uh, 
sometimes like if a guitar is maybe overly pitted because especially here in San Diego because there we have like coastal communities yeah like if the hardware is all if the hardware up. is like overly uh like has like a heavy patina on it in not a good way uh which cheap like pot metal tends to yeah. do like the stuff that's on like a Mexican fender yeah um I'll try to push it down a lot of times to be honest like if I see something that's already at a price where I can flip it I just leave it alone yeah totally uh, you know I talked about a, a while back uh I bought a Mexican Stratocaster and it came with a Roland amplifier and uh I got it off for 200 bucks and that guy like the string oh the strings like if the strings are rusted, that's something that you might be able to push the price down like another 10, sure. 20 bucks. Well, there's there's certain things where you can negotiate around them and you know that you can just fix it. Yeah. Like a busted pot, a pot that's scratchy or doesn't work, a busted switch, busted output jack. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a pretty available guitar and the pit guard is cracked, all those things, they're not big deals. Yeah. We're talking about $20 repairs. There's ways to like kind of up the ante on some of them too. Like... If a guitar is missing a knob, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a cosmetic six, things, cosmetic things, things that you can so, fix. Something like a knob, you can order a set of knobs from GFS or Amazon or whatever, yeah, for like ten bucks. But play it up, like oh yeah, oh I didn't realize it was missing the knob. I live, I don't live near a guitar store. Right, I have to go way out of my way. Do you think you could knock another twenty dollars off? Oh, I'm gonna have to order one on Amazon. Then I'm gonna have to pay for shipping, and I don't have yeah. a Prime account. Yeah. and yeah. <laughs> I play all that stuff up. Play it up. I mean, my Duo Sonic, that thing was on the wall for one fifty. I paid seventy five for yeah. it because a pot was broken on it. I took it home. I fixed it. I replaced it with a pot that I already had for for, for free, basically. And so I saved a bunch of money just by pointing out something that was broken. This is something we've talked about before, um, and I know that some of the guys in the group will probably disagree with me, and that and that's fine. Everyone has their own selling style, uh-huh. their own buying style. Uh, I try to ask questions up front in email. I try to negotiate price. Yeah. Like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna ask for a lower price, I'm gonna do it over email. Um so if I wanna negotiate negotiate a price in person, I do look for things there, but I try to make them tangible where I can show the person selling it and say, like I said, like, oh, this is like this is like the knobs are mismatched or right. there's more there's more rust here than I thought or whatever. It drives me nuts when uh, somebody shows up and they just have no reason. They just want to pay less. Right, totally. Um, and general in general, uh, the things that I do uh, face-to-face, I guess, I try to keep... Or the things that I do as a seller are also things I try to keep in mind as a buyer. So I try not to do things that would annoy myself as a seller. Sure. At the same time though, the one big advantage you have in a face-to-face transaction as a buyer or a seller is you have like a 2-minute window to reconsider. Yeah. If somebody puts an instrument on Craigslist for say like say it's a Mexican Strat for 200 bucks, already a really good deal and you say like oh 150 if I was selling a Mexican Strat for 200 unless I was super hard up for money and I got an offer for 150 I just would hit delete. Right, totally. But... In person, the cash is right there. And In person, if I was desperate, I'm already... The cash is on the table 
and the guy says like, "Oh well, you don't have the whammy bar, and I'm gonna go have to. I'm gonna have to go get a, like a legit case." Right. Then maybe as a seller, I'm like, "Oh yeah, he's right. Like, this is worse. This is worse than I thought it was, and and I really need the money, and it's sitting right there." Right. The flip side of that is, if I, as a seller, I say like, "No way, man! Like, I know how much this is worth. Like, if you don't want to do two hundred, then you're wasting my time." Yeah. Um. Then at least as a buyer, I'm the buyer is already there. The buyer can say like, "All right, like I'll I'll do two hundred. Like, yeah, I'll play hardball. That's cool. Um, like I'll go with it." So, uh, there are definitely benefits to getting to the face to face point. Um, I think I've only walked away from either a buy or a sell face to face like one time. Yeah, like once you've made the drive. Or once someone is already at, like, invested at your place, in like it. you're already invested. Yeah. Or once you like have met up at Starbucks or whatever, like you're already. I mean, you're say, already knee deep. Let's say the scenario isn't Craigslist. Let's say the scenario is that sure. you're at a shop, like or a pawn shop or something like that. You're browsing lots of guitars. You're trying to figure out if any of them are worthwhile. Let's go back to the next. Like, yeah. How, here's how I check next because we said probably stay away from twisted next or and bent necks you might be able to do stuff with right when i pick up a guitar at a shop that's used you know you can play it and feel the action is fast but if you want to check the neck for bends or warps you have to hold the like the neck up to your eye like up by the nut put your eye by the nut and you look down the length of the string and then it will become like crystal clear apparent how straight the neck is yeah and you check both sides and if one side is dramatically different from from another then it's going to have a twist yeah uh most of the time you're going to see a slight bow and that's normal. That's fine. Yeah. A little bit of a bow is fine. That's just a normal kind of player's setup. Uh, if you see a really dramatic bow, you got to check for the twist and make sure it's not twisted. And then is the bow gradual or does it start at a, is it like started at a specific place and then bow from there if that's the case, I would stay away from it because there's probably an issue with the truss rod. It might be right. snapped. It might be an issue with the gluing of the neck. Something's Something wrong has happened in the design of this guitar. Yeah. Sometimes with a pawn shop or some kind of like consignment situation, um, a store might be willing to like negotiate on the price just to open up shelf space. Sure. Because, you know... For better or worse, like sometimes shop owners just get tired of seeing the same stupid guitar on the wall day after day. Yeah, totally. Um, and they, so, you know, they're trying to move inventory, or yeah, you know, it's been there for years and years and years, uh, things like that. But as if you see those major problems with the neck, either the twist or a dramatic bend that starts in an odd place on the neck, like it's not a smooth bowing, it's it's a bend, right. Uh, you have to look at the that guitar and subtract the value of the neck because you're going to be replacing that neck. Yeah. It's, it's done. Yeah. So you can go to them and be like, listen, this needs an all new neck. If it's a bolt on, then that's new bolt. If it's not, then that guitar's over, basically. Yeah. It's a wall hanging decoration sure. at that point. Uh, other things you can look at. I mean, it really, I think the biggest thing is anytime you're going into a situation where you're going to be buying a guitar, uh-huh. know what you are looking at. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's certain things with fenders where, like, I have seen Fender, like the Made in Mexico, 
fifties uh, and sixties reissues. I've seen those like down at like MIM standard prices, uh-huh. just because the guy just saw them made in Mexico and didn't recognize, didn't know it was a reissue. Yeah, so he priced it to match whatever else, uh, what the other prices were. That can be a great deal. Uh, so like definitely for Fender, know all of your different variations on the headstock. Uh huh. Uh, no differences in squires too, because yeah. a lot some squires are like seventy five dollars. Some squires are like three hundred dollars. Yeah, and and that's an easy way to pick up a flip if, if you can find a squire that someone assumes is a seventy five or an one hundred and fifty dollars squire when you can flip that for two fifty easy. Yeah, you know. Um, recognize. I think the big one right now that always runs through my head. Though I don't know if it's as strong now as it was a few years ago, is the post two thousand eight Mexico Stratocaster uh, has a different, completely different headstock logo. Right, we were talking about finish. this. We were talking about this yeah. recently, um, and I. It seems like the newer version of the Mexican Stratocaster sells for maybe like fifty to one hundred dollars more than the older version. Uh huh. So if you again, if you see one like dirt cheap. Like say under two fifty, uh, there might be a little more flip room there. Yeah, totally. Than you would have, and I haven't. I've I've played a couple of them in stores. Not enough time. Like I feel like I need to go back to back between like a two thousand four and like a two thousand ten. Uh-huh. To really feel the difference, but I know a lot of guys swear that the newer versions of the Mexican guitars are just light years ahead of the older ones. Nice. That the neck finishes are much, much nicer, that the overall fit and finish is much nicer. They, I think they switched the pickups they're using, so those are oh, supposed good. to be better. Um, so all in all, like they're just supposed to be an overall great guitar. Yeah. When I see any kind of Strat body on Craigslist, or Strat style guitar on Craigslist, the first thing I look at is the headstock, uh-huh. uh, just to try to figure out, like, is it a Fender? Is it a Squire? Once I figure out is it a Fender or a Squire, I look at like, okay, is this a price point I want to pursue this to the next step? If it's a Squire and it's like two hundred bucks, then maybe I look at the headstock real quick. If it's like an all black headstock, then right away I'm like, it's a Bulleter and it's an Affinity, and I say all black, all black logo. Right, right. No, that's a Bulleter and yeah. Affinity typically, or like a Made in Mexico Squire, but the flipping I've always found like the prices on those are kind of all over the place yeah uh if it's a squire logo where it's a black outline on gold or silver uh-huh. like that's not that's a little higher end model or it might be mij or like classic vibe or something so you might have a little more uh playroom there over more than likely you're gonna get or at least you have a better chance of getting a good playing guitar if you're not looking oh, totally. for a flip uh, same thing again with with Fender. You look at headstock. You know, is it an older Mexican? Is it a newer Mexican? Is it Fender USA? They have a bunch of different headstock logos that are unique, at least fairly unique to the trained eye. Sure. I know I'm talking mostly Fender here because those are the thing. Fenders I think tend to be both an easier and harder flip. They can be easier because there's so many of them that you can get some really great deals, but then they can be a harder flip because if you bought at like 200 and you're trying to get 300, sometimes it's hard to get 300 right. when there's like 20 of them on your local Craigslist at 240. Right, but then at least you can get 240. Yeah. 
and you can yeah. flip it up to 40. And you know, on the back to the subject of headstocks, if you're looking in a shop and there's a strat that claims to be something, but the headstock has been completely stripped of yeah. any identifiers, that's something to be to beware of. You know, unless the the shop has some kind of certification or a serial number or something like that for it. You know, people don't strip USA head socks generally. Right. Uh, it's pretty rare that they do. It's probably a parts neck or it's a Mexican neck or even a squire neck that was stripped because yeah. someone was ashamed of what it was. You know, that, that's something that I used for a long time on the headstock is the truss rod. Yeah. The truss rod cavity for, that tells for you a long lot. time, the, the, at least the lower end squire, there's no filler uh, on the Mexican uh, fenders. It's a... Uh, plastic ring and on the american it's a wood ring i think they're using the plastic ring now on uh the higher end squire so that's not as foolproof uh if you're if you're ever super in doubt and you really want to check it out you're really super curious like someone's claiming oh this is an american neck the setup is you know priced as an american guitar you can always take the neck off yeah all you need is a screwdriver loosen up the strings Take the neck off, and you can look at what's written on the heel of the neck. Yeah. Or, um, you know, if it's in a shop where they don't move move product particularly quickly, take a shot. Take a cell phone picture of the serial number. Take a cell phone picture of like the overall guitar. Send it into Fender. I've heard sure. their customer service is pretty good. A lot of guys are doing that with Gibson now because there's so many counterfeit Gibsons uh-huh. on the market that it's like. There are people doing it on Craigslist where, oh, send me the serial, and I'm, I, I want to get this verified by Gibson. Yeah, totally. Especially with, like, I would say uh, maybe Gibson, Les Paul Classic, and higher models. Yeah, totally. You want to be sure. Yeah. I would do that with Rickenbackers, too. There's so many fake Rickenbackers yeah. out there these days. Um, another thing to look out for when you're looking at used guitars is how far away is the guitar from stock? Is there new hardware on it? Is there new pickups on it? Is there are the knobs different? You've most people have pocket computers on their person at all times. If you're looking at a guitar in a shop, pull up your phone, look up the model, like just double check the hardware because a simple like bridge change could really ding the value of a guitar to someone who knows about it. You know? Yeah. And you, it's fine to buy it, but you want to, if like a bridge is like on the Talman that we talked about earlier, I would ding the value of that Talman if that's not an original bridge. Uh, I might buy that, that Talman, but I'm going to make an offer that is respective of the hardware change, right? you know, cause I'm, it's going to cost me money to get it back to stock which is how some buyers are going to think. Yeah. So, yeah, look look for stuff like that. Is, is it a Strat? Is it make, mixing its uh, back plate for the Tremolo Springs? You can negotiate around that. That's a, that's a silly, like, $6 part. Yeah, and that's all, actually a lot of people take those off and throw them away because yeah. I've heard guys claim that, like, that's the tone, that kills your tone. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never, I just know, I've it always, makes it easy to get to your springs for adjustments. Yeah, I've always been afraid that I was going to like catch my belt in that, and then my pants were going to fall off. <laughs> Steve is afraid of the public embarrassment attached to removing the back plate. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> my if, pants you know, will fall off. Yeah, my pants will fall off. 
<laughs> I don't know. I always liked the, the way the cover looked, but huh. uh, I, I get, you know what? I kind of get it for, because some fenders have uh, the inset backplate and some of them have the one that's just like not like, yeah, it's not beveled in. I, so. I'm a be- I'm a take the backplate off kind of guy because oh, yeah. I like to get in there and mess with the springs and fine tune all of that and it, it's never bothered me I've never lost my pants yeah it's <laughs> totally in my head I'm sure <laughs> watch the first time you do it your pants will totally yeah. fall off uh, I definitely beware of upgrades that aren't really upgrades you know uh, things that aren't common you yeah know? or and so, and sometimes like that is a thing, you know. Even if it is an upgrade in the cost of the material, a lot of people want to do their upgrade own upgrades. They want to start from stock. Yeah, and a lot of people when they price their upgrades, they say like, "Oh, I put one hundred fifty dollars worth of Seymour Duncan pickups in this Squire bullet. Uh-huh. No, it's now worth. Uh, let's see, a bullet was seventy five, and I put one hundred fifty dollars worth of pickups in it. Uh, so it's now worth two hundred twenty five dollars. Um, no." No, and we've we've kind of raved about that before, uh, ranted or raved or whatever. Uh, does it increase the value? Sure. Does, sometimes. Does it increase? Sometimes, yeah. In that case, I would say does it increase the value. Yes. Does it increase the value to the full extent? Like, if you put one hundred and fifty dollars worth of pickups in something, don't expect to get more than fifty percent back. On here's that. here's the equation that I have in my mind. Say you take a two hundred dollar guitar. Yeah. You remove the original pickups. Let's say those are worth fifty bucks. Right. You put in a set of one hundred and fifty dollars guitar guitar pickups. This isn't now a three hundred and fifty dollars guitar with the pickups added because you removed pickups. Yeah, it's not even a three hundred dollars guitar once you subtract the original value of the pickups that aren't coming with it. It is like a $275 guitar because you have to also subtract the worth of the time that the other person might take reinstalling well, you, the old pickups. You also have to consider that the new the new pickups that you put in aren't new anymore. Right, They're totally. They're now used. Yeah, so you took a... A you took three hundred and fifty dollars worth of materials and made it worth two seventy five, yeah. which is my kind of basic math. It doesn't work the same way every time, but that's kind of like the concept of it is that you're causing someone to not have the stock materials and have to spend the time if they want those stock materials. Yeah. Now, all that being said, uh, that is something that you can look for uh, if you're looking to like part something out for a flip. Totally. Is sometimes you'll see like. If I saw a Squire bullet for like a hundred bucks and I was like, and the guy said like, oh, I put in like whatever pickups in it. Yeah, say there's like DeMarzio's in it. Yeah. And it was something where I thought like I could sell those pickups individually uh-huh. and and make some money. Like then, then it's worth a shot. Sometimes you can get 50 bucks for a good pickup yeah. any day of the week. Sometimes uh, the value of the parts is actually worth more than the guitar. Oh, totally. Uh, it's a weird thing. Well, that... that and ex- I wouldn't say it happens all the time. That Explorer I got, I think I paid 30 bucks for that. Right. It came with that double cream Seymour Duncan pickup, which was broken. Right. One, one of the coils was dead. I sold that pickup for 40 bucks. Yeah. To yeah. someone who like repairs pickups as a hobby. So I made $5 on that guitar. Yeah, in theory, but I put a lot of other stuff into that guitar. Well, I've got that. I had that Explorer, full Explorer guitar, uh, with the EMG in it. Uh huh. And I ended up. I don't remember where the body went, but I sold it. I know that. Uh, probably some metal guy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I sold the neck 
like a like, robot. I think I paid like a hundred bucks for it. I paid, uh, and I sold the neck for a hundred bucks. I sold those EMG pickup in it. I think I sold that for like 50 bucks, 40, 50 bucks, something like that. I think I sold the body for another like 40 bucks or something. Uh-huh. So I made money on it, but the guitar all put together was, I mean, a hundred bucks was generous. I thought sure. hundred bucks was okay. An okay price. It was kind of a weird mishmash Telecaster neck on, yeah. on, a on some weird cut metal explorer, explorer body, but you know, whatever it, it, it works. Uh, like I said, the big thing is, oh, here's another thing to consider. If you're trying to do the flip thing, know your market. Yeah. We we have it really easy because we're in San Diego and we can sell pretty much anything you can buy on Craigslist in San Diego. You can turn around and sell on Craigslist later because uh-huh. our market's pretty large. There's a few items that, there are a few musical instruments that are like tougher if they're like rare or or just kind of unique or whatever. Yeah. I mean, um, if you're going to sell something online, you have to figure that someone is going to look at it and feel that it's worth the extra 50 or $60 to ship it. Right. And and that's the thing is so if you're if you're looking at like, "Oh, I could buy this. I could buy this guitar for like 100 bucks locally." Uh consider are you going to be able to sell that again locally and make money on it if you're trying to do the flip or if you're or make sure you just factor in like the potential to have to ship something totally and whether or not like you are going to be able to get the amount of money you think you need for shipping and and yada yada whatever else yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff to consider i mean basically i think it's always a good idea to just be smart and buy stuff that you're already interested in and consider it renting, you know, like, Hey, I'd, I wouldn't mind having this guitar for a while and playing around with it. And then if you get tired of it, then you can sell it and hopefully break even or make a profit, you know? And so you're trying to protect yourself. Yeah. And legitimately, um, I probably check the podcast email. I, I get the emails right away, but I don't always read them. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, especially if I'm at work, like I just don't have time to read them, especially if it's like ads and stuff. I mean, you can always post right stuff away. to the group. I guarantee uh, you. I probably check the Twitter like once a day, but the group, that's what I was getting at. I guarantee you post something funny, something like weird or questionable in the group. You're going to get answers pretty quick. Yeah. If you see something and you're not sure if it's a good deal or not, like there are a lot of people in there that are knowledgeable about this stuff who would love to help you out. So. Yep. Uh, good times. Um, I'm going to throw this out. Throw it out. If you are... Um, if you join... This is kind of weird. If you have joined Facebook and like add a bunch of groups... Um, uh-huh. And then you're like, oh, I want to join CC Cycle Hum, but you don't really have that... Like a highly established Facebook like account. Like you have like three or four friends. Yeah. And they're all Japanese. And it's because, but you're like legitimately new or something. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure you can see who the admins are of the group. So send one of us a message. Yeah. Because sometimes we get these ad, we get these ads to the group that just look like there's no way this is a real person. We've been getting a lot of people trying to sell sunglasses. Yeah. But I, I recognize that like sometimes I ignore requests that are borderline and might actually be a real listener who just happened to only join Facebook like in the last couple months. Or someone who legitimately doesn't have a lot of friends, 
but they are a part of 30 groups for some reason. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm part of like 70 groups or something stupid like that. I'm part of a ton. I don't know how many, but, but I, I also have like 700 friends on Facebook because I... Now you're just bragging. I accept every friend request I get. Yeah, that's true. Don't get any ideas. Don't everyone friend request me. Oh my gosh. Don't make me break my own rules. If I get more than like 10 requests in the same day, I'm not going to add any of you people. I don't think I've ever gotten more than one or two requests on the same day. Yeah. All right. Let's say, let's say this. If we've developed a friendship relationship on the group and you want to add me or you have something to talk about with me, like person to person and messaging, then you can add me. I just don't want every person in the group to add me as their friend. All right. One thing before we get to the song, because I haven't done this in a while. I'm gearing up. He's gearing up. Finish your drink. Uh, (laughs) Julian Hard Cider, what the hell? Oh no, that was a disaster. I am so mad. You personally transported two bottles of Julian Hard Cider all the way up to Sacramento for for uh, Cowerpalooza, Cowerpalooza, Cowerfest. Yeah, we uh, we assumed this was a Julian California San Diego product. Yeah, their shop is on the 78 on out, the road into Julian. Yeah, Julian is a local like mountain town known for like his apple orchards, but yeah. it's really it's like you go out there as a tourist to like pick apples. Yeah. Um so everything up there's apple themed, apple pies, apple picking, apple cider stuff like that. This stuff is sold all over town. And you see that it's labeled Julian, and there's so many like craft brewers around here. You're like, oh, there's a local cider place. Paul Roney and Megan of the Lutherist are recording their show, cracking open one of these things that Steve brought all the way up there, and like, oh, this is from San Diego. Then they turn the bottle around, and it says it's from Oregon. Yeah, they start reading it. Turns out that this stuff is like 98% apples from concentrate. Yeah. And I think some of it, they do use real apples, but they're apples from Oregon. Yeah. They're brewed by some company in Oregon. I found out like a few months ago, Julian Hardsider was involved in a lawsuit by another guy in Julian who wants to start his own cider company, like called just, I think just called Julian Cider Farms or something. Yeah. And is basically saying he wants the FDA to revoke uh, their the tr- trademark yeah. on Julian Hart cider because he says, even though uh, it's a generic, like basically it's a saying that it's a generic product that is trying to capitalize on uh, on a, this, a specific industry of a specific location. But it's like the the labeling on the bottles is very specific to Julian San Diego. That's what I'm saying because it has like a mining theme with like pickaxes. Yeah, and Julian is an old mining town. Well, that that's what I mean. Like it's, it's not just like oh, this is named after our friend Julian. No, you're very specifically yeah. targeting a geographical. No, I, I'm pretty area. sure it says like Julian California on the front. Yeah. Um, it's and so super the, deceptive. So the implication, especially if you are in San Diego, like if you live here, yeah. the implication is like, I'm getting some, another where our local beer scene is huge. Yeah. Uh, like the implication is that, oh, this is a, this is a local craft cider company. Yeah. Um, now I will say their stuff is super good in my opinion. It's all right. I really like it. I think it's too sweet for me. Really? I've had other uh, hard ciders that are... 
less on the sweet side, more on like like the cidery sort of side. Huh. I always feel like it's it's a nice dry mix. I've had ciders that are like way sweeter. Huh. Um, but uh, regardless, um, it's just a super bummer. The guy who's like lawsuiting them, I don't know how it turned out, but he wants them to change their branding and. And he's basically suing them, I think, for like twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, but it's for like community development, or for yeah, yeah, like he wants to like make those resources available to other people who want to make cider in yeah, the area. He's basically, I think, asking for twenty five thousand dollars to go to like the Julian Chamber of Commerce or something. Uh huh. Basically, saying that this company has like made has capitalized on the Julian name, and so they should be forced to like pay. Like rep, like reparations or whatever, and then like sort of. licensing fees or something like that. Yeah, uh, so it's kind of crazy. Uh, I found out about this while I didn't know about it until I listened to the episode after where Paul and Megan were like drinking it. Yeah, at the very beginning of the episode, they were talking about it, and I was like, "Come on!" Yeah, it was a bummer. So whatever. Anyway, let's talk about this song. This song is from Chris Dopey. Dope. Dupe. All right. Uh. The song is called No. Uh, It's a project that he is doing called Dysfunctional Folk. It's not out yet. Uh, You can check him out. Facebook.com slash Chris Dopey's Music. That's Chris. Dopey's is D-O-P-E-Y-S. Music. This uh, this song sounds like a lot of fun. I'm excited to hear it again. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I got a really potentially exciting email right now. Oh, great. Hold on. Hold We're on. talking about the song, Steve. Yes. We don't have time for this. Yes! What is it? My woodcutter has shipped. Yeah! Cool. We'll be talking about that maybe next next week. All right.